Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. You've read responsibly from the book of Romans. Paul's letter to the church at Rome is one of the most comprehensive Christian doctrine about salvation. Paul's main emphasis is that salvation is a free gift from God. Which comes by faith through grace alone. And Paul starts chapter, this 16 chapter letter, by first illustrating the need for salvation. Now, his audience, who is mostly Greek, came from a background which did not believe in life after death. Therefore, they saw no need for salvation because they didn't believe. Anything was going to happen that when you dead, you dead. When you die, you die. They believed that each person did, whether good or bad, would be rewarded or punished in this life. The Greek culture also embraced the concept known as polytheism, which means about many gods. They believed there were several superior beings who competed for human attention for human worship, for human devotion, and for human services. But they did not believe in one divine creator. Thus, it was difficult for most Greeks to accept the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. We heard this in Sunday school this morning, faith development, the, the essence about what you've got to believe. They couldn't grasp in their mind that Jesus was the Son of God who came to die for the sins of all humanity. Many Grecians are like us today. They had the mindset that what was called sin was only a natural reaction of the flesh. And in other words, things like what we say the first law of nature is self-preservation. This justifies us when we want to do something. We said we were just preserving ourselves. They lived in a world that would be characterized with, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. Therefore, one could believe what they want to believe and worship who they want to worship. Paul's concern with this type of thinking would infiltrate the Christian church at Rome. Many of us pastors have the same concern today. Therefore, Paul felt it was necessary to confront these things head on at the beginning of his letter. So after his normal customary greeting, in verse 16 and 17, Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to you first. Also to Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
You see, the non-believing Jews could not accept Jesus as the Jewish Messiah because he was crucified on a cross. This was a shameful death. It was capital punishment. It was execution for a crime and was only done by the most hideous criminals who committed the most hideous crime. But Paul explained something. He said this was God's way of paying for the shameful, hideous sins of mankind to everyone who believed. So Paul says, I, I'm not ashamed of it because it's good news for both the Jews and the Greek. But Paul does something here that I want to bring your attention. He introduces a word, righteousness. It means to be in right standing with God. It does not mean sinless perfection. Righteousness came to the Greeks through the faith of Abraham. But righteousness came to the Gentile world or the Greeks through the faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what it means from faith to faith. But Paul's introduction point was to those who are not in right standing with God. Y'all hear me now. Those who are not in right standing with God, the unrighteous, are subject to the wrath of God. Now, wrath is God's justifiable anger. And his justifiable anger brings about judgment. And his judgment brings about punishment. In other words, God is going to say, you're going to reap more than you sow. I want you to think about that. You plant one kernel of corn, one kernel of corn ain't going to grow. You're going to get a stalk with a whole bunch of ears. The wrath of God is something to be concerned about. So why is the wrath of God directed toward the unrighteous? Paul's going to give us several reasons. These are not all of them, but several reasons that the wrath of God is going to be unleashed upon those who are not in right standing with him. I, want, I really want to impress this point that God is going to unleash his wrath upon all those who are not in right standing with him. Now I want you to remember and go back with me and say righteousness means in right standing. It does not mean sinless perfection. So the question is whether we are in right standing with God. And I believe there is saying in me that if you're in right standing with God, you will work towards sinless perfection even though you can't get there. So he gives us several reasons. I believe there might be six. I don't know. The first one is they suppress the truth. They suppress the truth. Verse 18. For the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now the King James Version used the word they hold. And the idea here is to hold fast or 
something that you may be familiar with, stand your ground. But in this verse, it means to stand firm to a belief in the face and clear proof to the contrary. In other words, something is so profound and clear that you know it's true, but you've been believing it so long, you're going to stand on it anyway. It's not that these people had the capacity or the capability to believe God because they had it, but they suppressed in and all evidence of reality that there is a God. I'm amazed about how people can come up with stuff to support the live evolution. And they've been talking about this missing link they ain't found it yet. And if they found something and tell you they ain't gonna be nothing but a lie. But people are gonna suppress the truth because they don't want to believe in God. And suppressing the truth led to the second reason. They rejected the truth. They rejected the truth. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. It's plain to them. It's plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. Everyone. Every human being. Has it been born with an awareness of God within their being through what is known as moral consciousness? This is also known as natural revelation. God reveals himself clearly in various ways. We reject the truth of this revelation when we fail to acknowledge God's existence and his involvement in acts of creation that we can plainly see. I mean, you know, I, I, I hear this all the time about the Grand Canyon was created by rivers that ran over millions and millions and millions of years. Other phenomena like the geyser out in Yellowstone Park. There's really no explanation of these things, but they attributed to everything but the Creator. Plainly seen. And this leads to the third reason for God's wrath. Not only did they suppress the truth, reject the truth, but they also denied the truth. Verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For those of you that have been to Niagara Falls, you've probably seen the power of that water. You've seen the falls as long as we've been seeing it, still ain't eroded. Still haven't went dry. The creation bears witness to a maker. Capitalism. It gives evidence to a clear reality that there's a God. Here's the picture. Creation has to have a creator. And a design has to have a designer. When we look at how God is, if, if, if some of you have ever taken a flight 
and you look down on the earth, you can see how everything is lined out like somebody just drew a picture of everything is just so even. I mean, my goodness, how did that happen? I'm not talking only about the fields and the farm that you see. I'm just talking about nature. The sun, the moon, the stars, all of creation are testimony that God exists. So there is no excuse for not believing the truth. And when we reject the truth, we come to the fourth reason for God's wrath. They ignored the truth. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Man is a spiritual being. If he refused to allow the one and true God to fill that spiritual void within himself, he will put something else or someone else in God's place. Thus man will give credit to whoever or whoever has become his small G God he may give thanks to it, but he ain't going to give thanks to God. When this occurs, mankind become mentally incapable of receiving anything from God. He becomes fruitile. Now, the idea behind this word fruitile is a corrupt mind. But let me give you a stronger word. It really implies a rotten mind. If you got a rotten mind, you're going to end up with a rotten heart. You ever seen anything rotten that turns dark? That's what the scripture is saying here. Their hearts were darkened. This leads to fifth reason. Let's go over and make sure you get them now. They suppress the truth. They reject the truth. They deny the truth. They ignore the truth. And then they perverted the truth. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immoral God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. One of the commentaries I look at when I do a study was talking about, did you notice the, the digression of this? It ends up down with snakes. Now, if man is a snake, no wonder he snake around. Somebody going to get there after a while. When mankind become conceited and self-dependent, relying on his self-styled knowledge, they plunge deeper into arrogance, ignorance, and nonsense. You see, man must have an object of worship. When he refuses to worship the living God, he makes his own. In this case, in Paul's day, he made him out of wood, stone, representing birds and animals and creeping things, even snakes. This is how idolatry started. It grew out of man's need to recognize that there's some power in the universe greater than himself. But because of his refusal to give God his place of supremacy in his life, 
he had to make a substitution. This brought to the sixth reason. They exchanged the truth. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to son their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and served the creatures rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. There's a penalty associated with unrighteousness. The penalty for insulting and dishonoring God was totally abandonment by God. How many of y'all know that if God don't keep you, you don't get killed? God gave people over to the perversion of the mind. Let me, let me, let me see if I can break this down. Everybody's born with a conscience. You have some idea of something you're doing right or wrong. You get convicted by some of the wrong things, even though you do it anyway. When God takes that away from you, when you don't have no conscience about what's right or wrong, you do whatever you want to without reservation. So when it says God gave them over to a reprobated mind, the King James, Gave them over to a mind that was rotten. When you have a rotten mind, you do rotten things. By refusing to acknowledge the true God, man left himself wide open to all manners of stupidity and depravity of mind. The results were the perversion of the natural gender inclination inclination of humanity. A rotten mind called them to turn away from the marital relationship God ordained between a man and a woman and burn in lust with same-sex relationship. I know some of y'all going to wish I had to stop there. But see, this thing we got with homosexuality, that's just a smoke screen. It calls you to focus on them and not on you. You see, because homosexuality is not the only display of unrighteousness that can call God to unleash his fury, his wrath. Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, gave God gave them up to a disbased mind, according to the English Standard Version, reprobate King James. I want you to think of his rotten mind. To do what ought not to be done. I'm just going to read a little bit of verse 29. And they were filled with all manner of Paul used this word feel to say they were full of it. If you got a rotten apple or a rotten something, you leave it out in the county, it's going to eventually rot everything. No such thing as part rotten and the rest of it's going to stay there. Eventually it's going to rot the whole thing. 
So this is filled not just in the occasional fall or lapse in judgment. This is habitual sin. None of these that he identifies the rest of verse 29 are fit for those who say they believe in Jesus. Paul lists 21 of them. There's more. But I think these 21 is a good starting place. Unrighteousness should cover them all. But he uses this word unrighteousness to mean wicked self-indulgent. In other words, it's all about you and your human nature. The English standard version uses number two as evil. King James said fornication. It means sexual immorality, illicit sex. It covers all of them, folks. From incest to homosexuality to fornication and adultery. Number three is covenant. Covenant. This is excessive greed. You want it. You got to have it. And you'll do anything you can to get it. Number four is malice. Desire to harm someone. This is gritting your team and saying, I can't stand them. And if I could get away with it, they wouldn't be still alive. Number five is envy. This is malicious jealousy. Someone that belongs to someone else that you want. If it means getting them out of the way, you would do so. <laughs> Number six is murder. I want you to notice this definition. It's a desire to shed blood. It's not necessarily shedding blood. It's a desire to shed blood. You want to do it. I wish you were dead. Number seven. I knew what I was going to do when I started. I want y'all to say, ouch. If it hits you, or say, oh, well, the opposite of amen when you don't agree with something, but you agree with it, but you don't want to acknowledge. So maybe I didn't hit none of y'all with those, but, and maybe I did. But let's look at number seven, strife. This word means to stir up contention. Can I put it in a different way? Stirring up mess. Always in the middle of the mess. And I've been knows usually when there's mess in the church, it's boiled down to two or three people in the church. I call them mess makers. That didn't get something, yeah? Number eight, deceit. It means to decoy. To bait, to trick. Sometimes we say he deep me. You know what I'm talking about. You don't deceive somebody. You told them something that wasn't true for the purpose of deceiving them. No out on that one. Okay, maliciousness. This is a spiteful person. Troublemaker. You say it's white, they'll say it's black. If you say it's black, they won't say it's white. <laughs> All right, here we go now. Number 10, gossip. The actual Greek means to whisper behind one's back. 
is saying something to someone else that you wouldn't say to that person to their face. Number 11, slander, backbiting, speaking evil against. This is verbal assassination of one's character. Ouch. Number 12 is haters of God, open rebellion against the things of God, including his people and his church. King James said 13, despiteful, but it's insolent. It's relentless, cruel, and violent. Who is despiteful? Y'all still quiet on me? What about haughty, arrogance, a superior, overinflated view of self? This is one that got the bag of chips. And they know they got it. And they ain't got golden flakes, they got lays. <laughs> they ain't got the 25 cents, they got the big bag, too. Thank you. Okay. What about number 15? Boastful. Bragging. Always promoting self. Everything is about me and me. You ever be talking to somebody about something and they already turn the thing right back to them? It's good when you go to the hospital, somebody, you be praying for somebody. Well, I had the same thing, but we ain't talking about you. Inventors of evil thing. There's so much technology out there, I don't even know what's going on because I don't get into the Lord delivered me from sexual perversion. I thank God he did. But I bet you there's some things out there now. It's the visor of mischievous new forms of wickedness. All right, y'all. Y'all been real righteous. Y'all see it up there, don't you? Disobedient to parents. This is simply rebellion against parental authority. And it's not an act, but an attitude. You know, when, when, you, when, when your parents do something and you just grit your teeth, you say something behind your back, the only reason you do it because you know if you don't, you're going to get spanked. But if you can find a way around, you're going to do it. Number 18, foolishness. Lack of moral, spiritual, conscience, and understanding. You just ain't got no sense. What about number 19, faithless. Untrustworthy. Promise breakers. And in there also is some idea sometimes you know you ain't going to do something. Why you say, I'll get back with you? I'll let you know. You know from the start you ain't going to do it. Number 20, heartless. Total disregard for family ties and obligations. You know, some of our parents were real good to us. 
They bent over back and sacrificed a lot to get us where we are. And we find every reason we can not to spend time with them. We can make all kinds of excuses. All we want to do is use them for babysitters. But in this also is abortion. It's also abandonment. It's also sexual abuse in the family. Heartless. Parents are supposed to protect kids while they're young. And biblically speaking, kids are supposed to take care of parents when they're old. Heartless. I see your mother there. By your town father there. But I ain't gonna spend no time with you. All that time you spent with me. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody. Lastly, ruthlessness. Vindictive. Without pity. Unmerciful. My brothers and sisters, this is not only an indictment against humanity or us individually, but this is an indictment against our nation and our society. Verse 32 says this, Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. In other words, they know what the Bible says. But they seek to rationalize or even legalize some of these sins. And the wrath of God is going to be poured out. Some of the things that's going to happen to this country, that is happening to this country, is because of the wrath of God. We can legalize all these lies we want to. But God is not blind, God is not death, and God is not dead. So the wrath of God will be poured out against us. Unfortunately, some of us are going to have to pay for it because we're here. Or paying for it right now. Y'all wonder why they can't get missed right up in, in D.C.? They ain't going to never get it right. Never. I know, Jeff, you were talking about the... the you know, the, the barriers. But the barrier is sin. And if you don't, you're right. If you don't come to Jesus, we're going to always have issues. We're going to never balance a budget. We're going to never get a good health care. We ain't going to do it. Later on in chapter 6, Paul wrote this. And I'm just about done, y'all. Verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourself, King James said your body, to anyone as an obedient slave or servant, you are a slave or servant to one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. We only have two choices, people. To worship the lie or worship the truth. 
to worship sin or worship the one who came and died for your sins? A simple prayer can change who you worship if you're not saved today. Will you stand with us, please? I'm not going to prolong now. You've heard the word. You can believe the truth or a lie. <laughs> no in between. Hesitation, procrastination is a no. This simple prayer that's on the screen can change your life. But Jeff brought something out in Sunday school this morning. You have got to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Got to. And that's what they said. If you read with me, Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.